0: We're going to be learning in Chidush bin Chaim HaLevi, the only piece in Hilchus Shkagos. This is Perak Yud Gimel, Halacha Dalid. And the key issue Rab Chaim's trying to understand is that in general, if someone does a sin, they have to bring their own sacrifice. But in a case where the high court made a mistake and they told everyone that some sin is permitted, and a majority of the people committed that sin based on their mistake and then they retracted, they realized that they made a mistake. So there the halacha is that the court brings a sacrifice on behalf of everyone, but each person does not have to bring their own atonement sacrifice. They fulfill their atonement through the communal sacrifice being brought on behalf of the court. So Rab Chaim wants to understand the mechanics of that. The Rambam writes If the court incorrectly ruled that non- kosher fats are permitted. And then a minority of the Jewish people ate based on their ruling. So only a minority violated this sin. And then the court retracted. So at that point, the court realized that they made a mistake. But then they made another mistake in another sin, and they ruled that a certain type of idolatry is permitted so another minority of the Jewish people, a different group of people, now violated the second sin of idolatry. Starfuha Ochlim Rov. If you combine the two groups that ate non-kosher fat as well as committed idolatry together, then there's a majority percentage of the Jewish people. So the two groups do combine and now this court is obligated to bring a sacrifice to atone for all of them because together there is a majority of the Jewish people that committed a sin based on the ruling of this court even though the court realized their mistake in the meantime. So it was not one mistake, it was two different mistakes on the court's part, but since between the two mistakes, there is a majority of the Jewish people that violated a sin, so this becomes a case where it's the court's responsibility to atone for everyone, and it's not each individual's job to atone for having committed the sin. Now, the questions the Rambam's ruling because he says that this case is a question in the Gemara, and there's no clear answer. So the Gemara raises the issue of what to do if the court ruled in two separate instances on two separate sins, and together there's a majority that violated those two sins. But the Gemara does not say one way or the other, whether it's the individual's job to atone or the court's job to atone for everyone. So it remains a suffake and uncertain ruling in the Gemara. So the Ravid says that since we don't know how to rule, the actual halacha is that nobody's obligated to bring A carbon, not the individuals nor the court, because there is no clear ruling on who's obligated, so we don't obligate anyone. But the implication in the rambam is that in this case, the court is obligated to bring a carbon, that's why the individuals don't need to bring one. So that's the Ravid's question on the Rambam. Why is he ruling that the court is obligated when it's not clear in the Gemara? So first, Rab Chaim suggests just a technical answer, and he points out that the Rambam never explicitly says that the court has to bring a sacrifice in this case. All the Rambam said is that the individuals do not need to bring a sacrifice. So it could be that the Rambam is just telling us that even though ordinarily, if a few individuals commit a sin based on the ruling of the court so the halacha is that they are obligated to bring their own sacrifices and the Rambam rules as such at the beginning of this chapter but in this case, since the Gemara has a doubt whether they combine or not, so the individuals are not obligated to bring the sacrifice but the Rambam agrees that neither is the court obligated to bring the sacrifice. So basically on this reading, the Rambam agrees practically with the Rivid that nobody brings a sacrifice, neither the court nor the individuals and that's all the Rambam meant to say that the individuals are not obligated because maybe they combine together and there's a majority of people. But says Rab Chaim even though that could technically be forced into the language of the Rambam but it certainly seems because the Rambam uses the word mitstarfen that they combine that he does mean that the court is obligated to bring a korban as the rivet understood him. So now we're back to our question. Why would the Rambam rule that way when it's unclear to the Gemara that the court is obligated. So, Rab Chaim again tries to defend this technical solution for the Rambam. And this is based on a question that Tosvos asks... Tosfos asks, how can the Gemara even suggest that there's a communal offering in the case of the two mistakes, one in idolatry, one in chilev, the non-kosher fats, when those two sins have different sacrifices? So how is the court possibly going to bring one communal sacrifice to include both of those groups when there's two different sacrifices that are required for the two different sins. So, Rab Chaim suggests that maybe the answer for Tostas' question is that the Gemara never thought that there could be a communal sacrifice. Because again, that's an impossibility, because both of these sins require different karbanos. All the Gemara meant to ask is whether the individuals involved are obligated in a sacrifice. Do we view them as a majority, so each person is exempt, or do we view them as two minorities so each person is obligated on their own? So that was the entirety of the Gemara's question nothing to do with whether there's a communal sacrifice at all So if that's the case, now it does make sense that when the Rambam says mitstarfin, that they combine, he only means that the individuals are also exempt from a carbon because we view them as a majority, but the Rambam does not in any way mean that there is a communal sacrifice, because again, that's not possible, as Tostos points out, there's two different sacrifices that are needed in this case. So if the Rambam is merely reflecting the language and the context of the Gemara, so then we could... But interpret that mitstarfin does not mean that they bring a communal sacrifice, rather it just means that the individuals are also exempt from a sacrifice, which is exactly how the Rivid rules. So the Rambam's not disagreeing with the Rivid, and both of them agree that since the Gemara never resolved this issue, so nobody has to bring a sacrifice. But Rab Chaim points out that this still is not going to fully answer the problem, because there is another case which the Gemara discusses, which is Khelev and Dam. So non-kosher fats and blood, which is also non-kosher. Now, in that case, both sins have the same sacrifice. So there, it very well could be that there is a communal sacrifice on behalf of both minority groups, which now form a majority. And there's not going to be Tosos' problem that the two sins require two different sacrifices. And the Rambam, when he records that case of Chelev and still records mitstarfin that we combine. Both groups together. So now we do have the Ravids question in that case. Why does the Rambam hold that there's a communal sacrifice if the Gemara never resolved the issue? So again, Rab Chaim proposes a technical solution to this problem because there is a principle in the Rambam's rulings that he holds Im lomar. Very often the Gemara will say, Question one, and if you resolve question one in a certain way, then we have question two. That's called Im Lomar if you resolve it in a certain way. So the Rambam holds that an Imtim Tzalomar is halachically valid. In other words, the Gemara is not just theoretically entertaining the possibility of if you will say, but it actually means to rule that way. So the Gemara is saying this is the halacha. Now this Gemara that we're discussing is an Imtim Tzalomar. First, it poses the question about chilev and dam, and then it resolves it through in Intin and then it further poses the question about Khelev and idolatry. So says Rab Chaim, that's why the Rambam held that there is a resolution to the first case of chilev and dam. So the Gemara is basically saying that when it comes to Chelev and Dam, they do combine and the court brings a communal sacrifice. But when it comes to Chelev and Avodah zara, we're not sure. But either way, there's no possibility of the court bringing a sacrifice. So that's how the Rambam arrived at his rulings based on this discussion in the Gemara, that in the case of Khelev and Dam, the court does bring a sacrifice. But in the case of Chelev and Avodah zara, it's not clear. So nobody brings a sacrifice. So again, this would all be the technical approach to resolving the rivets question on the Rambam. And this shows how the Rambam can fit his rulings into the Gemara's discussion, and the halacha according to this approach would be that in the case of Chelev and Dam the court brings a sacrifice in the case of Chelev and Abu nobody brings a sacrifice, but the individuals themselves never have to bring a sacrifice. Now in the third paragraph, Rab Chaim suggests a more conceptual interpretation of the Rambam, and the issue that he wants to understand is why does the halacha say that individuals do not need to bring a sacrifice when the court is bringing a community? sacrifice. Is it because since the court is bringing a sacrifice, so that fulfills every individual's obligation, there's no need for them to bring an atonement sacrifice anymore when they're just going to be included and fulfill their atonement through the communal sacrifice of the court? Or do we say that these are two unrelated, independent halachas? One is that when a majority of the Jewish people sins based on the court's mistake, the court is responsible to bring a communal sacrifice to atone. And the second is, unrelated to that, that when a majority sins based on the court, they are not obligated to bring their own individual sacrifices. So it's not that we view each individual as being included the communal sacrifice, but it's a separate concept that anytime a majority of the Jewish people sins in this case, they don't each need to bring a sacrifice. And the obvious distinction is going to be in a case where the court gets off on a technicality, so they're not bringing the communal sacrifice, but still a majority of the Jewish people sin. So if we say it's because they're included in the court's sacrifice, then in that case, they would each have to bring a sacrifice. But if it's a separate halacha that when a majority Sins, they're each exempt from the sacrifice. So then, even though there's no communal sacrifice, they're still each exempt. So Rab Chaim quotes that there's contradictory cases about this. The Gemara in Horios Tafhei quotes a Brisa v'Noda Hachatas v'Lo shiyodu Hachotim that in a case where the court knows that they made a mistake in one of their rulings, but they're not sure which of their rulings, so the court does not need to bring a karban because this whole halacha and the korban only applies when the court knows where it made a mistake, which ruling was an error. But if they only know that some people did a sin based on them, but they're not sure what sin exactly it was, then they don't have to bring a karban. Now the Rambam in Chicago's Perak Yedal Halacha Halakha rules that each individual is obligated to bring a karban. So here we have exactly this case. A majority of the Jewish people sinned based on a ruling of the court. The court got off on a technicality because they're not sure which of their rulings was wrong. And the Rambam holds that each individual has to bring their own carbon. So that indicates the reason in general a majority doesn't need to each bring their own carbon is because they fulfill their atonement through the court's carbon. But in a case where there is no communal carbon, so then each individual does have to bring a carbon even though they're part of a majority. On the other hand, there's a contradiction to this from the mission. The Mishnah says In a case where the court realized their mistake and they brought a carbon to atone for their mistake, and then there was one guy that didn't get the memo, so he went and committed the sin. Thinking that the court's original mistaken ruling was still in place. So the Mishnah rules that even though that guy committed the sin after the court already atoned, he's still exempt and does not need to bring his own carbon. So Rab points out that obviously a carbon cannot atone things that are going to happen in the future after it's brought. So this guy who went ahead and committed the sin after the carbon already atoned for the community, he's not included in that original carbon. And yet, the Mishnah still says that he does not have to bring his own karban. So that indicates the other way. That even if someone is not included in the communal karban, the fact that they were part of a situation where a majority sinned still makes them exempt, meaning it's an independent standalone halacha, regardless of whether they're atoned for by the communal karban. So we seem to have a contradiction between the Rambam's ruling in a case where the court got off on a technicality that each each individual is now obligated to bring their own carbon versus the case where a guy sinned after the court had already backtracked and atoned, where that person is still exempt from a carbon even though they're not included in the communal carbon. So Rab Chaim resolves this contradiction by saying that the question is focusing too heavily on whether this person was included in the carbon. It's focusing on the moment of the carbon. But if we focus instead on the moment of the sin and we ask whether this is the type of sin which is included in a carbon sebor, a communal sacrifice or not... So then that new perspective will resolve this question. Basically, any sin which is included in a carbon seaborne each individual does not need to bring a carbon but any sin which is excluded from a carbon sebor so then each individual becomes obligated so now that's going to resolve these two cases because in the case where the community brought a sacrifice and then an individual sinned even though it's true that he himself is not included in the atonement of the sacrifice but the type of sin that he committed is one which was included in a communal sacrifice so the sin itself is in the category of something which should have been, and in fact was atoned for by a communal sacrifice. So even though this person missed the communal sacrifice, again, the moment of the sacrifice is secondary to what type of sin he committed. And since the sin is of the sort which needed atonement communally, so he does not require individual atonement. But in the case where the court got off on a technicality because they're not sure which error they made, so there, it's not just that there's no sacrifice that's going to atone for everyone, it's more than that. The very sin that everyone committed is not one which is included in a carbon and So that type of sin, each individual is obligated to bring their own carb. So, the way to formulate this halachic principle, according to Rab Chaim, is that we evaluate each sin which is committed by a majority. If it's the sort of sin which requires a carbon seabor, so then even if for some reason there is no carbon seabor, or if the person misses the carbon seabor, they're still included in the category of having committed a sin which would necessitate a carbon seabor, and therefore they do not bring their own individual carbon. But if a majority commits a sin, even though ordinarily that sin should have required a carbon seabor, if for some reason that sin in this case is not going to necessitate a carbon seabor, then each person becomes obligated. So now applying this back to the Rambam that we began with, Rab Chaim says that now we can suggest an answer for the Raivit's question. Because the Rambam understands that when the Gemara asks the whole issue of whether two different sins combine to create a majority, so there is no possibility of there being a communal sacrifice in that situation. Not just because, as Tosvo said, the sacrifice for Chelev and Avodah zara are two different sacrifices, the Rambam holds even even more sharply that any two sins are not going to combine to create one sacrifice even if it's like chaylev and dam, where both sins necessitate the same sacrifice, but still, we do not bring one sacrifice to include two different sins. So there is no possibility whatsoever in the Gemara that the court is actually going to bring a communal sacrifice for the combination of two different sins, and that applies not just to chaylev and avodah zara, where it's two different sacrifices, but even to chaylev and dam. So in both questions of the Gemara, there was no possibility of there being a communal sacrifice. The only question of the Gemara is whether the individuals are obligated to bring a sacrifice. And that's again based on this formulation of Reb Chaim. Because if we say that in theory there is an obligation of a communal sacrifice, just practically we're not going to do it because they're two different sins. So then that exempts each individual from a Karban because the sin they committed is in the category of one which would have Required a carbon tzeibur, so that exempts an individual from bringing a sacrifice. On the other hand, if we say that it's not just a technicality in the sacrifice that we don't bring it for two different sins, but we don't even define this as a majority because it's coming from two different sins. So to begin with, there was no majority which would have required a carbon tzeibur. So then each individual is going to be obligated to bring a carbon because the sin they committed is one which would not have required a carbon seabor. So that was the Gemara's question, nothing to do with whether there's going to be a communal sacrifice. The question is whether there's going to be individual sacrifices. Is this the type of sin which should have required a carbon seabor? We're just not going to bring it because it's two different sins, or is this not the type of situation that would require a carbon seabor to begin with, in which case each individual brings a carbon. So then the Rambam rules that since the Gemara never resolved the issue, nobody has to bring a Karba, not even the individuals. But again, that's the same practical ruling as the rivid. So the Rambam is not suggesting that the court bring a communal sacrifice. He's just saying that even the individuals combine together and they're not obligated to bring individual sacrifices. Now the rivid disagrees with the interpretation of the Rambam and he holds that if we do combine the two different groups, so there is a majority, then the court would have to bring a communal sacrifice. So he doesn't agree with this idea of the Rambam that we never bring one sacrifice for two different sins. The Raivir holds that if the rule is that this is considered a majority then the court should bring a carbon seabor for these two different sins. So that's why he questions the language of the Rambam that the Rambam should have been more clear that since this is a suffolk all around, nobody has to bring a sacrifice because the way the Ravid reads the Rambam, you could think that the Rambam is implying that the court needs to bring a carbon Sebor. So that's Rab Chaim's approach to explain the ruling of the Rambam and to answer the Ravid's question. Rab Chaim argues that the Rambam does not disagree practically with the Ravid. The Ravid assumed that according to the Rambam, there's a carbon Sebor in this case, but according to Rab Chaim, Interpretation The Rambam is simply saying that since the two groups combine, so therefore each individual also does not bring a carbon, but the court also does not bring a carbon. The key conceptual point that Rab Chaim explores is the issue of why individuals do not need to bring a carbon if there's a carbon seabor. Is it because they're included in the carbon seabor, or there's an independent exemption that when a majority sins based on the court's ruling, each one is not obligated to bring a carbon. So basically, Rab Chaim sides with the first approach that each individual is included in the carbon seabor. But Rab Chaim refines the formulation a little bit that we shouldn't say that if someone is included in the carbon seabor, then they're exempt from their own private carbon, but we should look at what type of sin they committed. If the sin they committed is included in the carbon seabor, then they're exempt. Whereas a sin which is not part of a carbon seabor, so, then an individual is obligated. So, according to Rab Chaim, that's the proper way to formulate this. Now, it's worth noting that the stipler in Kihilos Yaakov on Horios Simon Bays. So he has an alternative formulation to Rab Chaim's, and he believes that the reason an individual does not need to bring a carbon is because they are included in the carbon seabor. So that was the first formulation that Rab Chaim suggested, but then he modified that because he had a question on it, which is that the Mishnah says in a case where the court already brought the carbon seabor, and then an individual sins, they still do not need to bring their own carbon, and Rab Chaim asked, how could that be? Because a carbon does not atone for things that are going to happen in the future. So the stipler suggests a totally different answer to this, which is very interesting. He suggests that once a majority of the Jewish people has committed the sin based on the ruling of the court, so anyone who now commits the same sin is considered an onus. It's as if they have no responsibility whatsoever for having committed the sin because from their perspective, they're just doing what a majority of the Jewish people are doing. So how could they be considered responsible for making this mistake in any way? In other words, the first people who commit the sin based on the court's ruling, that's not an onus because they're not following a majority of the Jewish people. They're following the court, so they need another dispensation, which is the Torah said that if the court has to bring a carbon seabor, then each individual is exempt. But once we reach the point where a majority of the Jewish people is committing this sin, so now there's an even more powerful leniency because this is an onus. There was no way that a person should have realized that this was a mistake. They're literally just doing what they see everybody around them doing. So that's how the stipler explains why in the case where the court already atoned, so a majority of the Jews committed the sin, the court retracted and then brought the carbon Sibor. But this individual didn't know about the Traction. So he is just following what he sees everybody else doing. He's considered a full onus, and that's why he's exempt from the carbon. Nothing to do with the fact that he's included in the carbon c bore, but there's another new exemption because he has the status of onus when he just did what he saw everybody else doing. So according to the stipler, we could preserve the original formulation that in general an individual is not exempt from a carbon unless they're included in the carbon c- Seabor, but in the unique case where already a majority of the Jewish people violated this sin, and then someone who validly thought that they were just following everybody else commits the same sin, so in that case there's a new exemption because there's an onus. Now the stipler then quotes that the Chazon Ish disagreed with this interpretation. He understands the exemption from the Mishnah in the case where he committed the sin after the carbon Seabor is similar to Rab Chaim because he's included in. In the carbon seabor somehow. So that brings us back to Rab Chaim's question. So, according to the way the Chazon Ish and Rab Chaim understand the exemption in the Mishnah and Daf Gimel, that the person is included in the carbon seabor, so then we have Rab Chaim's question how does the carbon seabor atone for the future? And that's why Rab Chaim modifies the whole idea that it's not about the carbon, it's about what type of sin it is. On the other hand, the Stipler has this very original idea that anyone who sins subsequent to a majority of the Jewish people sinning. Is considered an ones, so they don't need to be included in the carbon seaborne. They have a new exemption, but in the standard case where a person sins along with a majority of the Jewish people, so there the exemption is because they're included in the carbon seaborne.